0: Hello, my name is Ryan Broderick, and I just ate an extremely spicy chicken sandwich, and I can already feel my body beginning its like countdown to dealing with that
1: later. I'm Luke Bailey, and I just ate a delicious mushroom stroganoff.
0: Oh, that's really nice.
1: Yeah, it was a great it was a great meal.
0: So it doesn't sound like you're going to have diarrhea from your thing.
1: Well, no, I I, I really do because I cook it all myself, and I'm I'm not American, so I have a digestive system that works.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well. That sounds nice.
1: But the context of that, like when Ryan was in the UK, he was constantly like ill with in various ways. I wasn't constantly
0: Uh, ill, I was just eating
1: like a maniac. You were always within forty eight hours of like a serious digestive issue.
0: Yeah, but that's because I was constantly eating like lamb donner at like midnight all the time and drinking pints of
1: beer. Pints of beer. But British people who also do this are used (laughs) to it and therefore just carry on.
0: Yeah. Luke, how's the internet this week?
1: Um, honestly, kind of, it's kind of feels like it's lost it a bit. It is, it is on the edge. Everyone's angry. Everyone's stressed. Uh, everyone has like coming up with weird stuff. It's okay. The internet is like, um, it's 3am at a party. You should have left at 1am Yeah, and weird shit keeps happening and you're not quite ready to leave yet. But every now and again, just like a guy in a unicycle goes by while who's smoking meth. And you're like that. That's I should probably make a move. This is not good this is not a good vibe
0: i agree i think it's like we have nothing else in our lives but the internet and so we need the internet to be constantly entertaining but it can't be because like it just can't and so everyone's in this stage where they're like trying to get the internet to like do its thing again
1: yeah like just poking it and being like be fun be fun and it's not fun because life is not fun and the internet is just life
0: right and it's like you know we had a pretty insane run there like going from you know basically the 1st of January up into GameStop that was like that was a pretty incredible period of time uh, yeah. you know something I'll de- all the amazing posts that I'll be telling my children about and grandchildren about <laughs> for decades to come but now it's over so we're just sort of left with like you know normal internet which is very
1: boring i mean this actually comes quite nicely into one of the things i want to talk about from the internet this week and what is that which is it's it's march 2020 to march 2021 comparison memes which is like <sighs> It's yeah. super old it's a super old format right yeah. you know it it was you know the start of, I think the probably the first time it was was the start of 2016 to the end of 2016 because that was a that was an intense year yeah uh and then you know we did you know similar things like every time something you know we've had a bad period everyone's like oh wow when we go back to the previous start of that period so it was like 2015 or the start of Trump's presidency, the end of Trump's presidency, or wherever, whatever it might be. And now everyone's doing it with March 2020 to March 2021. So, you know, on the left, um, March 2020 is whoever it is smiling. March 2021 is whoever it is, like, looking unhappy and chain-smoking. And I'm like, do you people not remember March 2020? Because it was not good.
0: Well, this might be a regional difference. What were you doing the weekend before the first lockdown?
1: Um, the week before the first lockdown. So we, we went to lockdown in roughly the same week, right? It was like Mar- the 20- March. March. Yeah, 21st, 23rd, 2nd of March, around that time.
0: I think it was more closer to mid-March, but yeah, I mean, what was...
1: was I was the 23rd, maybe we were slightly later. Um, Yeah, I mean, we were doing normal, but it felt very much like it was getting extremely, like, scary. Like, there was a point where, you know, I, I at one point built a bot And this was a bad idea. I built a bot for our Slack newsroom that put the latest daily death count in when it got announced.
0: Why did you do that? That is such a a bad idea. Oh,
1: my God. It was a terrible idea. Uh, Well, it was basically – well, no, actually, I say it wasn't actually the count. It was just a reminder that the deaths come out at this point and we should go cover it. Okay. It was like five minutes before it was like, go go check, go check. But I called it something like um, death numbers. And I was just so every, just once a day, just slightly entire newsroom, saying death numbers and I was like, "Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> not that doing is that
0: so wildly grim. that's like incredible how grim that is,
1: yeah, but it was like it was a really grim time, and this is kind of what I remember from it. It was grim, and then you know, there was a weird moment, I think it probably it was probably after the first wave broke, and then it was on the downswing, and it felt like, okay, it's getting better, where it was kind of calm. there was like an odd you know it felt like the world was it was an aspic, it was frozen in amber, yes. And that was okay? Because also the sun came out there and the flowers came out. It was all right. <laughs>
0: so March, the, basically this time last year, I I had organized a bachelor. So I'm like the friend that organizes bachelor parties. I'm supposed to be organizing your bachelor party <laughs> oh, yeah. right now, but I don't know if
1: that's ever going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. I,
0: um and so I organized... That is because
1: of COVID reasons, not like I'm not having a bunch
0: So uh, Luke's got a podcast through the dissolution of his relationship. Yeah. No, so I had organized this bachelor party for like six guys to go to Las Vegas. And we kept waiting and waiting. And we're like, okay, should we cancel it? Should we cancel it? And finally, we're just like, you know what? Like, let's do it. Let's go for it. And so I flew to Las Vegas, like literally a year ago, probably today. That and is- I remember yeah. being really creeped out. And back then surface transmission was the really big thing and aerosol transmission was sort of like the one that no one was really talking about yet and so i was you know washing my hands a, a ton and i
1: and you the, didn't get covid so it clearly works
0: well yeah the the airports were spooky oh i remember like being on the like the train like in the las vegas airport like going between concourses or whatever and i remember seeing like people in masks and people wearing gloves and it being really creepy and quiet and then i i look over and there's just a guy no mask no gloves just eating an orange with his hands on the train just like nice pulling apart an orange and eating it and i was and i remember thinking to myself like if this pandemic comes to america we're so fucked <laughs> 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 and then we get to, we, we get to the casinos and there's like there's a bottle of hand sanitizer everywhere but other than that, there was really just nothing. There's no difference, no masks, nothing. And this was March.
1: I mean, weirdly, casinos probably aren't too bad because they have vast quantities of ventilation and they're quite big rooms.
0: Yeah, but you you still can smoke in them, and you huddle together around tables. And I mean, we we That's also true. went to like a Diplo concert. Like we were not trying, <laughs> we were not thinking about like. I remember being really, really, really adamant about washing my hands and using hand sanitizer, but I did not even think about wearing a mask. And it's so funny how like th- the surface transmission was the thing that everyone was sort of fixated on in those days.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a Twitter account that is doing a year in COVID for the UK and just like saying what was happening a year ago with with COVID, and it's 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 pretty terrifying. Someone pointed <laughs> out it's like a week until there was a um i think it was the first measures got announced i think it was like probably next monday our time like it was in about a week's time relatively um and then like three days later there was like a massive stereophonics concert in cardiff with like (laughs) thirty thousand people and it's one of these things it was like oh jesus this is really not gonna go well
0: you know but luckily here's the thing like we've learned so much we're all being so much better about it um Houston uh in Texas has every single COVID variant in the uh at once. It's the only city cool. in the world that has all of them, which is pretty cool, you know? Well uh, on Texas. Texas has completed the Pokedex on COVID <laughs> variants, so that's cool and and very reassuring. It is it is a very strange time to be alive <laughs> to, to be alive. Um I, I should say though, um, as of today, recording this and as of tomorrow, when you'll be hearing this, both of my parents uh, will be fully vaccinated.
1: Both of my parents have had their first dose. They uh, didn't, they get us until May.
0: My mom got her second dose today, and my dad will be getting his second dose tomorrow. So that is a huge... That's exciting. That's I good. no longer have to be responsible for their elderly immune systems. I can now finally go clubbing again. So
1: You can finally go and lick people's faces in ventilated rooms. That's right, yeah.
0: I mean, I will not be getting a vaccine because I don't believe in it. Um, sure, sure. But it's cool, like if you are. So, yeah. Um,
1: I mean, I'm holding out for the Russian one just because, like, I want to get weird with it.
0: Yeah, I want to be able to say like, no, I have the Russian one.
1: Yeah. Oh, I have, I have, I have the, I have another vaccine. You probably wouldn't have heard of it. Exactly. It's pretty, it's pretty underground.
0: Um, you've seen the video of the guy who's like, I got the Oxford vaccine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What vaccine did you get? Oh, that's
0: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, Oxford. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone in my family had it, so I just sort of thought, you know, why not me? Yeah. And, you know, I just didn't want to settle for the Pfizer one, you know? No offense. (laughs) Yeah, I know, it's been incredibly enabling, actually. I mean, you know, it's not that other vaccines are worse, it's just that this sort of gives your immune system a bit of a better foundation. And, you know, the testing's just a lot more rigorous. I hate that guy.
0: (laughs) Really? Is he like a...
1: He is one of a class of... Oh, God, this is going to sound like the most British thing ever, but he is one of a group of British people who's... comedy bit is pretending to be ever so slightly posher than they are, but they're all still very posh. Dude. And it grates. (laughs) Dude, I mean,
0: come on. At a certain point, you've just got to take a step back and be like, this is too British for me. Sure.
1: Well, I I want to talk about the WandaVision line, which is like really bummed me out that that WandaVision line got turned into a meme.
0: Okay, actually, let's... Let's talk about WandaVision discourse, and I'm really sorry, you know, content warning, like, we're going to be talking about the MCU, but, like, it is also the biggest show in the world right now.
1: Oh, we can play the spoiler warning. Everyone loved that.
0: That's great. I wanted to be able to use that song again, anyways. I, I'm like, I'm very frustrated with like Wandavision discourse, and I think it's because like. Most people have not given a shit about what goes on in the Marvel Universe for, like, its entire run. Like, these are big movies, but people, like, really aren't, like, talking about them all the time. And now, like, everyone's talking about WandaVision, and I feel like someone has, like, walked into my disgusting room and, like, has started to critique the way things look. It's like that goofy meme of, like, damn bitch, you live like this. And I want people to just, like, get out. Like, get away from WandaVision. Leave it alone. Like... Yes. Is it military propaganda? Probably. Is it, like, absolutely not going to end in any meaningfully, like, useful way? Like, of course, it's just a giant trailer for Doctor Strange 2, but, like, just let me have my toys and leave me alone.
1: Yeah, I, I feel similar to it, but the way that that specific line became a meme was just incredibly annoying because it, again, is people both over-hyping it and then like reacting to that and i'm kind of like it's neither of these things The the line we're talking about is if, if you haven't seen it is um what is grief if not love p- persevering which is a good line it's like a seven out of ten line which makes it like a nine out of ten line for the mcu
0: wait hold on though see it's cheating though when vision says it and when you say it because both of you have british accents All if right. i were to say what is grief if not love persevering it doesn't have nearly as much weight because I'm American. That's like half of it,
1: I think. Sure. Well, nothing that Americans say has as much weight. That's, that's why you all talk so much.
0: Exactly. We have to, f- well, I, I think it's a good line. I actually, I, I thought it was a really great line. I thought it was a really great episode.
1: I do. I think it was a great episode. I think it was a good line. But it's like, is the difference between kind of, it is not as good as, that sound you hear is every screenwriter letting out a reverent fuck. And it's like, it wasn't that good. But then everyone then starts mocking it and, like, memeing it because they're like, oh, this person thought this line was good. And it's like, it's, it's neither of these things. It's not neither mockworthy nor is it, like, hype-worthy. It's fine. Stop. And it was just one of these things where I just watching it being like, this has just kind of ruined it. And it's ruined it by two people who both would probably agree, yeah, it's quite a good line. It's like, why are we doing this?
0: I think there's a couple things happening here. One, I dug into who tweeted the, like... So the tweet you're talking about is someone, like, quote-tweeting the line and being like, the sound you hear is every TV writer, like, saying, like, fuck or something, right? And it's talking about how great the line is. I, I went to the original person's account. They're, like, an amateur screenwriter, someone who's, like, working their way up. And, like, you know, they just liked the line. Great. Sure. I think there's this other thing happening, and... I don't want to say it's a leftist thing because I actually don't think it's strictly in that sphere of like dirtbag leftism, but I do think they're like a huge piece of this, which is that like there's now this thing where whatever's trending on Twitter has to be like turned into something negative that they could like they can use to, like, further whatever their, like, not even ideology is, but, like, their, like, shtick. And I think that, like, this happened with NFT backlash as well, and people being, like, it's unethical to make them, which, of course it is. Like, actually, we have an yeah. entire episode you can listen to from last week about NFTs. But, like, the, the this idea where it's, like, whatever's trending, like, I'm gonna, like, make it like an edgy, lefty thing. And, like, it's the same thing with, like, the Marvel Universe being military propaganda. And it's, like, yeah, I mean, sort of, yes, I sure. But it's, like, Aren't you tired of doing this to every single topic that starts trending?
1: Right. But then we're getting very close to the incredibly annoying cartoon, which is just let people enjoy things. But I think,
0: like, sometimes maybe just let people enjoy things. I just,
1: I think that there is a, obviously there's an incredibly valid role for, like, criticism and pulling things apart from that perspective. And I think there's, you know, plenty of, like, scope to say, hey, this thing is just shitty to, like, a group of people, which is relatively frequent. I also think that there's a, a kind of a, a line there. It's not like let people enjoy things, but it's like, everyone knows this. This is not this is not a complicated thing you're saying here. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a fun universe uh, that has a lot of dumb moments in it and is funny because the big purple men and blue men punch each other and then say something funny and it's fine. It doesn't actually need to be more than that. Uh, but then there's, yeah, there's a kind of a, a weird like, I will make it more than that and therefore prove that it's bad. It's like, everyone knows it's bad sort of like fine.
0: So I will say if you're looking for like a really good take on the Marvel universe military thing, like I found uh, this writer, his name is uh, Sidant Adlaka and he put together a Twitter moment and I'll include it in our show notes. And it's, and it's him watching all the movies and like specifically talking about the, the military messages in the movie and they're, influence on the plot and like the overwhelming thing is basically like these movies would be better like captain america 2 winter soldier would be better if it didn't have to like you know be approved by the pentagon to get the funding to use like
1: military stuff yeah it didn't have to it it couldn't make if it could make the case that actually maybe the military is bad not oh no bad elements have entered our otherwise perfect military that has never done anything wrong
0: right like captain marvel would probably be a better movie if it wasn't also an advertisement for the air force
1: <laughs> yeah like, it would be
0: WandaVision would probably ha- be a lot more narratively clear if it did not have to like have this weird underlying thing about the military being good
1: it's kind of amazing that some movies have managed to outplay that like uh, Transformers which obviously had the same same issue but was a <laughs> superb movie regardless of its <laughs> involvement with the military and one just, a, a series that just got better
0: Dude, I watched one of the recent Transformers the other day because it was on TV. It was like one of the Mark Wahlberg ones. And that movie was like four hours long and completely indecipherable. I didn't, I've didn't. I've been a lifelong Transformers fan and I could not tell you anything about what happened in that movie. It made no sense. And it was somehow breathtakingly racist for a movie that was made <laughs> in 2018 or whatever.
1: I can't believe that Tyrese Gibson has been in two of the biggest franchises of all time.
0: He's in... Fast and the Furious and Transformers.
1: He is in Fast and the Furious uh, and if you're interested in that you should check out our uh, companion podcast which is all, all, on a different feed. You can explain the feed. Yeah, you honest. can
0: go over to patreon.com slash the content minds and listen to our other
1: podcasts we're currently marathoning the Fast and the Furious franchise. We should probably talk about uh, the Gen Z millennial content.
0: Yeah, okay. So, Luke, have you seen, have you seen the, the TikTok musicals about I have. skinny jeans? Gen Z! can suck it you can't tell me what to wear because i've been rocking this side part since you had kermit on your underwear so cute it's, painful. it's so, so
1: painful, painful. It's,
0: it's just it's, like it's we don't have to do this like we don't have to go through this we don't need no. to do this
1: Gen Z's trying to cancel eminem honey that's cute Listen, little kitties. Let me make this quite clear. This man was around even before you were here. So what you're all mad because the man was a lyricist while all your rappers are mumbling gibberish? No, go ahead and shut your mouth. Better yet, it's like it's like watching it's like watching someone at a bar like who's like really really like really drunk, can't see, try and stand up, and they just keep face planting over. And you're like, just sit down from well, just sit down. No, he's done it again. Okay, cool. I knew this was gonna happen. I'm not surprised this is happening. But it makes me incredibly sad that this is oh yeah, this happened again.
0: I would like to blame the movie Cats for this, actually.
1: Oh, I would like to blame the T V series Glee.
0: I think the, the I think they're both I think they're both um, you know, uh glamorizing a certain lifestyle that I don't find uh acceptable and that's enjoying musical theater
1: publicly. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it is it is unacceptable when people do that.
0: I have only ever seen two Broadway musicals in my life. One is Green Day's American Idiot and the other is Spider-Man Turn <laughs> Off the Dark. And I I've I've had enough musical theater. I've seen enough to say that uh no thank you. I've never seen Hamilton. I don't want to. I I just I just don't know why you would make a crazy ex-girlfriend style song about skinny jeans for your TikTok account. I just don't have the psychological profile in my head. I don't understand how you could do it. And then post it and be like, this is cool.
1: It is It is so deeply, painfully embarrassing to watch that it's, yeah, it's the, the boomerification of millennials, which I just, I don't understand. I don't know how, also, I don't know how Gen X, like, escape. Scraped through this and, and were unaffected.
0: It's because most Gen Xers are in jail for storming the Capitol last month.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: makes uh, sense. <laughs> I don't want them to get off on any of this. They are, they are just, and that's the that's the thing that actually bothers me the most about all of this is that like I am a very proud. Uh, hater of gen xers i think they're uh, I think they 're cowards and i hate I hate their whole attitude but
1: this is it because they don 't they don 't embarrass themselves though, which is the most frustrating thing they 're not like publicly saying hey we 're gen x we 're better than you whereas for some reason millennials self identify as millennials boomers don 't self identify as millennials as boomers but do it through the words and, and that they say and the things that they do and Gen z also self identify which I assume is a, a fact of coming of age during a certain era when the internet which optimizes for identity optimizes to create groups of identities such as millennials, such as gen z and once you're in an, in a, an identity you have an in group out group effect which makes you have beef with other uh, similar cohorts
0: yeah no i'd agree with all of that um also just like millennials don't have like a concept of being cool like they're just like there is no such thing as like a cool millennial it's not possible
1: that's that's true yeah
0: like gen z can be cool gen x can be cool boomers can't be cool Boomers were cool for like one summer in 1969, and then they never got over it.
1: Yeah, now it's like the one before boomers, what they the Silent Generation.
0: They're cool, but they're yeah. all dead. So mostly, all of this is dumb and not real. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I do think though there there are like there are similarities between Gen Xers and Gen Z. I don't mind Gen Z. I think they're funny. But, like, millennials are exhausting, and I find the entire experience of being alive somewhat taxing. (laughs) I find my own existence deeply exhausting.
1: Like, what I also get is that Gen Z makes some very lucid criticisms of millennials, and millennials steer into them. Like, I disagree with some of them. I'll stick to skinny jeans and stuff like that, but, like, you know, that's i'm old i'm not going to change what i what i wear now i've worn the same thing for like two years straight it's no fine. but you've
0: literally like you've yeah. literally
1: worn the same thing for like three years yeah that's about right <laughs> uh but but like jen when they say stuff like yeah they over identify with harry potter and they make musical reposts on tiktok it's it's a problem and it's not something it's something that people should stop doing and not steer into
0: yeah just like yeah. let it go like we don't need to do this And, like, millennials could be taken seriously if they stopped singing show tunes about how they like to eat pizza and be like, wow, our entire lives have been filled with terror and misery and financial instability, and that's why we're all fucked up, and the only thing that we like in the world or care about is ourselves, because
1: that's the only thing we have.
0: Like, just do that.
1: Yeah, you could make an argument that it's, like, partly generational trauma.
0: It is. I mean, look, I, I haven't had... So I w- I turned eleven around nine eleven, and basically every four or five years since then, something truly horrendous has happened, and my country has been at war the entire
1: time. I know the America's been at war thing It's like yeah sure America's been at war, but it hasn't been like even close to losing a war. Like that's where the trauma comes every
0: from. Every time I get on Twitter, I feel like I'm fighting a war.
1: That's true. You're the real hero. Thank you. The posters are the heroes. <laughs>
0: This week we are talking about what I consider to be the most important blog, probably other than maybe something awful. I would say it's the most important website.
1: I I wouldn't say the most important website, but it's only it's the most important tum, Tumblr.
0: Yeah. Well, either way, we're talking about your favorite problematic. Uh, yeah. Last week, the anonymous author of your
1: favorite problematic uh, came forward. She revealed herself in the New York Times which was not a great reveal because you know I didn't admittedly didn't spend a huge amount of time on it but I could not easily find more information on her
0: no no so her name is Liat Kaplan it reminded me a lot of a scene in the animated justice league series where lex luthor takes over the flash's body and he's like well i guess i'll finally find out who the flash is and pulls off the flash's mask and he's like i don't know who this guy is
1: yeah exactly it was like i was i was kind of hoping it was going to be someone who was like now like an editor at Vox or something.
0: I, I was hoping. But then also it sort of like makes sense that the person who would make your favorite problematic would sort of disappear. So if you've never heard of the blog, uh, you have definitely experienced its legacy. It started around 2013. It's a Tumblr. It is still up. You can, go, you can go check it out. And it would basically create these massive link dumps of every problematic quote unquote thing that a celebrity or public figure had done. And it was an interesting experiment that went out of control pretty quickly. Here is a really good paragraph from the New York Times piece about how the blog started. The blog started, as so many anonymous online projects do, as vengeful public shaming masquerading as social criticism. I was fine-tuning my moral compass and coming into my own as a feminist. So when I noticed classmates making sexist jokes on Facebook, including some about me, I started taking screenshots to post on a Tumblr called Calling Out Sexists. My policy was that I would take down a post only if the author publicly apologized. That blog eventually transformed into the blog we know of as Your Favourite Problematic, which pivoted away from randos and started going after celebrities. Yeah. I remember when a new update would drop because it was like we would all gather around to read it. It was, like, it was sort of destination reading.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty fascinating because I remember coming across it and it being one of the few blogs that I remember specifically the name of and like what it did. <laughs>
0: Do you remember the Tumblr My Conservative Brony?
1: I, was re- I mean, yeah, I remember the URL. I don't particularly <laughs> was on it even. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't so much of a Tumblr user, but I remember this one like jumping out as a really interesting archive of kind of so I always had a different like, relationship with it, with it than I think and clearly from what um the the author it turns out actually meant, which was that my interpretation of it was more that it was an uh, you know, no one is without sin thing. Because I and I particularly got that just from the name. It was like your fave is. Right. And so the idea is, is just like, hey, accepting like everyone's problematic, everyone should work on themselves, Like it was uh, more of a, I guess, ground up corrective to the idea that you could be non-problematic. Then, of course, turns out that that's not what it was at all, and it was a, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old attempting to demonstrate, take everyone down.
0: Well, it, it, it's interesting, because this isn't in their piece, and this is sort of a bit of projection that I've always had over the years. But I think I think it's true. The terminology like your fave or or even just like the, the term problematic, those those phrases had been around for a while. And, and it's sort of a hard period of time to remember. But before the real mainstreaming of Tumblr, there were stan armies. There were Lady Gaga stans, Kesha stans, yep. Lana Del Rey stans. And they weren't actually on Twitter at the time. They were hanging out on, like, really janky message boards and live journals still. And this was, like, 2012, probably. This was still going on. And they would run Ops. Like, um, in fact, it came out, like, you know, last year or two years ago that Little Nas X, he got his start as a Nicki Minaj troll. And yes. what they would do is they would attack each other for their faves. So it, it was sort of... It was a way more aggressive, but way less savvy version of like the K-pop fandom wars we see on Twitter now. And so I thought of this blog as almost like a scoreboard for that. Like I was like, oh, like like this fandom just like fired shots by submitting to your famous problematic. And that's kind of how I interpreted it, as like this grand arbiter of fandom drama. Come to find out, it was just like a teenage girl who wanted to like hurt people on the internet and and i should say that like the new york times piece is really clear-eyed and i was very impressed i think with how it wasn't trying to defend the blog and then i'm not even sure if the blog did anything bad necessarily which is also weird
1: yeah i mean this was also a really common form of posts at the time which was just just these like massive um link posts Uh, yeah which i think also meant that it didn't stand out as much but going back to it now, it's also fascinating how uh, like inconsistent it is. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, there are bits and pieces of it where, you know, you'll find various people on it. So, you know, some of them, it's like Marina from Marina and the Diamonds. Right. Who's like, has like one thing. And it's that there was a Native American headdress in a video. Which like okay, yep, problematic. Uh, and then you go to the one below it, Martin Freeman, and it's, like, really long. And it's, like, all the bad things that Martin Freeman's done, which is essentially just one interview, which, admittedly, right. you also look at now, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is really bad. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was I was shocked going through it, because the first, the first post is Louis C.K. And so I'm thinking, yeah. like, oh, wow, this is going to be really intense. And you get in there, and you realize, like, looking at it now, it is so clear that it was done by a teenage girl and not, like, a journalist or anybody, because it's yeah. all just, like his jokes like it's just like a collection of louis ck jokes and then yeah. you flip over to the next one and it's like oh hillary duff wore a bindi in this music video and it's just at the time it, it, it instilled so much fear and authority and now it, it is so obvious to me that this was just made by like a couple teenagers
1: yeah exactly yeah oh god there's so many there's so many weird bits on here yeah the louis ck one is 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 fascinating because it just has like um bits and pieces where it's like uh, says that people with nut allergies deserve to die through natural selection i'm like right no that I, I I don't even know the bit but it's like clear that's a comedy bit
0: well that was the thing and and um th- 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 these last two paragraphs from the piece i want to pull out just because they're really good um before we jump off here so the the, the new york times piece um from kaplan ends with For years, I've regretted the spotlight I put on other people's mistakes as if one day I wouldn't make plenty of my own. There can be an unsparing purity to growing into one's social conscience that is often overbroad. My brain wasn't ready for nuance. I was angered by hypocrisy and cruelty. What I did about it was apply a level of scrutiny that left no room for error. I'm not saying that I should be canceled for my teenage blog. Please don't. (laughs) I just know what we should all know by now. That no one who has lived publicly, online or off, has a spotless record. For these reasons, I've thought about deleting my Tumblr, but doing that would mean erasing my own errors of judgment. I almost feel like I need to leave it up to punish myself for having made it in the first place. That, and I know someone could and probably would, just pull it up on Wayback Machine. The internet, after all, never forgets. I am very impressed <laughs> by <laughs> by sort of the level of clarity that Kaplan has talking about your favorite problematic because it's almost like someone who invented the nuclear bomb
1: talking about it
0: in my opinion
1: yeah of course all all of the all of those people did lose their minds so
0: what the doomsday the yeah yeah i mean like yeah. this is this is essentially the modern version of i am become doomsday like the harbinger <laughs> of death or whatever
1: i become shiva the destroyer of worlds
0: that's it that's it and i think it's really, really hard to understand exactly how much of the way we operate now has sort of been defined by this idea of like compiling receipts and like calling out problematic behavior and like archiving it and using it as like an internet weapon. And I think it's it's fascinating that this entire idea was created by a teenage girl.
1: Yeah, essentially. I mean, it was it came from the community, and then this um like glued it together i think something else that's fascinating about this that's also kind of happened now is that there is a because of these these master posts these long lists of lots and lots of links and lots and lots of facts they end up kind of flattening it so that stuff where it's like oh this person like wore blackface and did something super offensive is next to something that is you know like that louis ck um routine about like, nut allergies, and it's like, no, no, because there are, there are like, massive, like, ranges of, of behavior here, but then he ends up into this one thing. Obviously, it turned out Louis C.K. had a whole, like, order of magnitude worse behavior that's not even on Wait, here.
0: Wait, what's the, what's the tea on Louis C.K.? I totally missed this. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think you're exactly right, and it, and it's really interesting how I almost feel like that was the bad lesson that people have learned from your favorite problematic. And it's, you know, like it's like, it's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Like I I have, I feel uncomfortable even saying this because I feel like I'm pushed. I, you know, I am a guy with a sub stack and I don't want to be Glenn Greenwald about this, but it feels like your favorite problematic figured out a way to create a new form of internet warfare, like doxing, like swatting, that manipulates people's history, people's information. And so, you know, a call out post, it can be done by anyone in any political sphere. It, it can be done for anything. It is sort of like it is a it is a, uh, an informational weapon. So you can use it however you want. And it's not to say that you can't like rightfully call people out for being you know awful. But that format and that framing and that 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 device was made popular by your famous problematic
1: yeah exactly um and i've just found another pretty good example of this which is uh lacy green who obviously i'm, I'm not going to go into the later things that happened lacy green but i'm pretty sure there was stuff
0: dude it's impossible to talk about Lacey green and not like i mean let's let's put it this way she is a extremely controversial sexual health youtuber who briefly decided to pivot into becoming like almost a white nationalist and i don't know what the latest is with her anymore
1: well, if we go back to this thing from seven years ago, it makes a number of points about how she has made jokes about... It accuses her of making jokes about Jewish noses. It accuses her of a bit Islamophobia. It accuses her of like uh, anti-Mormon uh, discrimination. Uh, and then, finally, the masterful end of this entire post, which is a really long post, is thinks people who criticize the Tumblr updates are spoiled, ungrateful children. Oh, that's just... It's like... It's perfect, and it's, it's a perfect, perfect example of this ex- If this kind of insane thing where it's like, all of these things are bad, therefore they are on the same level. And it's this right. very binary view of it, and it's like, yeah, no, uh, this person, super Islamophobic, also did like the Tumblr updates. But see,
0: that's like, like now looking at that, it looks like insane nonsense, but at the moment... In the middle of an internet frenzy, that makes total sense where it's like you're just collecting as much data on this person as you can to, like, package it and send it off. So it makes total sense that, like, an army of little, like, Stan goblins are, like, collecting stuff about a YouTuber they don't like. And they're just like, okay, you got her Islamophobia comments? Great. Send them over. Oh, did you know that Lacey Green said that we're all entitled children if we don't like when the Tumblr makes the update? Okay, put that in too. Okay, cool, cool. All right, now let's send it (laughs) off because, like, that'll – we've got it. We've got it. And then you know you take a step back, like a couple weeks later, and you're like, "This is just nonsense," and that's why I think we've we've got to talk about John Green. I think.
1: Okay, I mean he is also on the he is also on the list.
0: So okay, read. Let's 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 talk about it. Read read me some John Green. Um, your favorite's problematic. Let's let's see what's on here.
1: I, he uh, made fun of and appropriated the uh, cultural holiday Cinco de Mayo by creating Hanko de Mayo.
0: Wait, is this John Green or Hank Green?
1: Um, it, it's not clear. It okay, it's the Green brothers. So,
0: okay, yeah. First of all, if you don't know, uh, John Green, the author of *The Fault in Your Stars*, his brother Hank Green is still a YouTuber. They both started as YouTubers called the Vlog Brothers. Okay, let's 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 get the receipts on John Green.
1: Defended Lacey Green uh, over her Islamophobia. Obviously, oh you know, all, all comes together. Um, once said, quote, What a slut time is. She screws everybody. Um, well, okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, he, uh, the offensive kissing the Anne Frank House in the Fulton, our stars. Okay, yeah. Um, use of the word kafir. Uh-huh. Uh, hipster fat shaming. Uh, yeah, and then uh, shamed... In women uh, some of these i um, um, it takes me a minute to kind of get back into the 2010s okay now i understand what, what, where we're going, coming up from here yeah so there's a lot of odd interesting stuff there uh it links to a multiple uh john green notes to previous um tumblr posts where he addressed parts of this post here and here yeah those posts have been deleted
0: right so uh, if you don't know What happened after this, Um, your favorite problematic collected all the stuff that Tumblr as a community didn't like about John Green Uh, at the time, John Green had sort of considered himself like a Tumblr dad, which is just like code for like, I mean, a lot of predators use that term. So I understand why they probably recoiled at that idea. Um, and also like the users were getting older. So it makes sense that, you know, young women would be coming into their own and realize they don't want like a dude like John green on Tumblr with them. Right. So they got in a big fight with him. It went on for like over a year. I feel like there was just like tons of animosity. And then it culminated in the great Tumblr post edit of John green. Should I read it? Should I read
1: what they, I think you should read the entire thing.
0: Okay. Um, so, in the old days, you could edit what someone above you in a reblog had said. God, why why, why why? any of these features? It's just, like, an incredible feature that, I mean, the idea that it didn't, the idea that this was, like, the thing that broke the camel's back is unbelievable to me. I
1: mean, there are so many features that everyone, that, like, are very popular with people who are kind of casual users of, of, of platforms. And everyone else is like, no, absolutely do not do that. Right. Like one of the classics is uh, making Twitter posts editable after time. Don't do like, it. 100%. Don't do that. Don't do it. While, like, just, delete, banning, just delete tweet. Banning anonymity on Twitter is like, nope, don't do that. That's really bad. Just, <laughs> and just, yeah, just every time it. there's something bad, it's always the thing that people come up with being like, So anyway.
0: John, John Green tried to address the tension, I guess you would call it. And he wrote a thing. And um, his blog was called Fishing Boat Proceeds and they edited they edited what he wrote and they <laughs> replaced it with some copy pasta that had been traveling around from like a gay porn blog and they did it to him twice so there's there's two of these posts so the first one <laughs> Okay, I've actually never read this out loud before. So I, why
1: would you, why would you have read this out loud before?
0: I mean, you just think like in my time on this earth, doing what I do with my life, <laughs> I would have figured out a way to incorporate this. Okay, so here we go. I, I can do this.
1: <laughs> Wait, are we gonna put like music under it? Because we should probably put some 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 music under it.
0: Yeah, I could put some music under. It. I'll see I'll see what I'll see what the score sounds like from the Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> see if I can do a song that sounds like that for this. Okay. <laughs> once again, yeah. this, once again, this is, he did not say this. This is not. This someone edited it. So he, this says, okay.
1: And if and if you took this recording of Ryan saying this out of context and put it on <laughs> Twitter, do, we'd both be very upset.
0: Please do not remove the context around this. I, I. This is journalism. I. This is this is this is. I'm doing history. I'm. This is internet historiomism. Uh, so content yeah. mining. This is I, okay. Cock is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Okay, I can do this. Cock is one of my favorite tastes. Not only that, but balls smell amazing. It makes me go a little crazy on it, to be honest. Like, I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. When I sit back on my heels, look up at you with cum all over my mouth and slobber running down my neck. Hair all fucked up and wipe my mouth with the back of my arm and ask you if I did a good job. And you cannot even speak because I've drained all your energy out of the tip of your dick. That's what I'm satisfied.
1: Uh, it's a good post. It's a classic bit of copy pasta.
0: So then someone replied to that and wrote, "John Green, you nasty and ugly as hell, shut the fuck up." And then I, I guess he tried to reply and or you know say that he didn't write that, but someone edited it again. So so it says. <laughs> Sweetie, you are literally so out of line It's fucking unbelievable I could drag you so hard right now But I know you'll just end up crying I roasted you before and you know it Chances are you'll just say I bullied you Because you're gay and have different skin Talk shit, get hit, you don't want to mess with me, kiddo I've got a black belt I know threats are fucked up But that's all I've been receiving all day Probably from her royal hood rat Olive And all her nasty friends But you can gang up on me and make fun of me for being goth all you want. I've been hurt a lot. My first boyfriend cheated on me. My dad screams if I forget to do my chores. And there are some days I don't even want to get out of bed in the mornings. I'm a jaded teenage girl. I've been through shit that you wouldn't even dream of. You think your life is hard. Try try asking the cutest guy in your grade out in the middle of the cafeteria only to find out he's a, he has a fucking girlfriend. You don't know my life or my story, so keep my name out of your nasty mouth. Life is a battlefield and it looks like I've already won.
1: again just a beautiful bit of uh (laughs) beautiful
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay uh um so so uh just to to put the the close on that um john green in 2018 did tweet I never asked Tumblr to change any of its features, including the editing feature. That's me adding that in there. I don't know how that rumor started, but it isn't true. I've never talked to anyone at Tumblr about how to make their website better. If I did, I'd ask them to make video work, not change reblogging. It is true. The video feature on Tumblr is the worst on the internet. So I I, 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 I believe John Green there. You agree um, with everything
1: John Green says? Uh,
0: I, I just think cock is one of my favorite tastes. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those, like, inc- iconic posts. It's just an incredible... Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, then John Green basically stopped using Tumblr. <laughs> that, that was sort of the end of that. Um, and now there's, like, no celebrities left on Tumblr. It's just Taylor Swift and Neil Gaiman.
1: Yeah, I don't even think Taylor Swift uses it anymore.
0: She does. No, no, she's actually she surprisingly active. And, it, and every time she pops up, I'm always really surprised. Her Tumblr likes are a big thing. So, like, people... Monitor what she likes on Tumblr, and that's like a huge deal. So she's she's still on there, but yeah, it was sort of the end. It, it, to me, like Dashcon and the John Green post are like the twin endings for an era that, in my head, is defined by your famous problematic.
1: Yeah, it it is. It's it's honestly, it's such a fascinating, weird. It's also such a fascinating historic artifact now because of the way that things have changed so much so for example one of the things that on this list is grimes right and the the number one reason why she's problematic according to this is the appropriation of the bindi something that she's apologized for and i'm like buddy uh (laughs) some things happened
0: she's about to be crypto queen of mars like she's this is not you know the, the world has grown so far beyond what used to be
1: problematic do you know who's not on here kanye west
0: he would have already reached his, like, crazy stage by this point. Like, this, yeah. is, this was, well, like, wait, the Yeezys
1: uh, era for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he... No, no, this was seven years ago. So this was 2013. When was Jesus? Oh, Jesus, this is going to make me Jesus was 20.
0: I, Jesus was 2012 or 2013. So this would have been the same period of time.
1: Jesus 2013, yeah. Yeah, he certainly reached his the era when he was saying strange things. So obviously, you know, he does also have, like, genuine, pretty genuine mental health issues. Maybe that's why uh, she avoided... Talking about him. But. Well, she she
0: says in her New York Times piece that she, like all people who make content on the internet, was incentivized by what was doing well. And Tumblr had a much bigger appetite for taking down young women celebrities yep. than they did male celebrities. So there was a, a definite incentive on Tumblr to go after Hillary Duff, to go after Grimes, to go after like Katy Perry, because the social justice movement quote unquote at the time was way more was I think it is safe to it's safe to argue that the the social justice movement as we understand it on tumblr back in 2013 was probably just like a very formalized version of fandom wars like it was just it was trying to one up fandom discourse so it was like okay well suddenly let's we can code it in sociology terms and and talk about like justice and it feels a lot more righteous than if we're just arguing about, like, who deserves to have a better billboard chart placement.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And it has certainly degenerated. I don't say degenerate. It has evolved into a, 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 a definitely a more complex thing. Um, but certainly a, you know, because you can come at this from the other perspective, which is like, you know, an awful lot of the people on here and things that people do on here have aged incredibly badly and are now things that would be immediately called out. And people probably behave better as a result. Like, this is this is kind of the, the weird thing about this, that it feels kind of, like, unpleasant, but it also works.
0: Yeah, I mean, public shaming does work. Uh, yeah. It does.
1: Like, you, you can argue about, like, oh, is, is it the right way to do it and stuff? But there's, yeah, there's chunks on here where I'm like, yeah, no, this person would not do this now and would definitely understand this was wrong and everyone around them would understand this was wrong. And people would know why. And it's like, so, you know, you can argue it kind of both ways that, you know, it is a a pretty brutal way to get there, but it is also effective.
0: Yeah, I think it also, though, opened up a backdoor into culture that allowed Gamergate to come in. And I don't think it was, and I actually don't think it was your favorite problematic's fault. I think it was actually 2014 is when I would time it to when digital media had reached a professionalization level where it was like doing real journalism it had, and building real newsrooms, like places like Mashable and BuzzFeed and, and even like early properties that would become Vox stuff later on. Like they were all becoming professional enough, the Gawker sites, that like they were being taken really seriously, but they were still operating kind of like blogs. And so they were picking up on like problematic culture stuff and writing about it and like doing really good work about it. But there was obviously like an inherent hypocrisy there and 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 sort of like huge a huge glitch in the way that because it wasn't the same as just like a blogger picking up another blogger it was like you're a professional news operation picking up what we now know was a teenage girl and so i think it was very very easy for like right-wing culture warriors like Yannopoulos to like poke a hole in that balloon and just go after it and they and they you know they they decimated basically an entire wing of journalism because they were able to 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 very quickly realize that like why is why is any of this happening? And they were able to to sort of why, why is it.
1: criticizing Tumblr users for for not liking the Tumblr updates the same as blackface or right rape jokes um, right yeah I, I mean that's true but you know there's also the you know the underlying thing here which is as always the Facebook algorithm during this era which right intensified everything captured this particular moment in time. Uh, because that was when this stuff started spreading and meant that this became the dominant language for talking about an awful lot of this stuff. We also now
0: know that, you know, Fox News, I mean, has literally... Yesterday, I think they did, like, almost a dozen segments about Dr. Seuss. (laughs) And we now know that, like, you know, in a democratic administration, like, Fox News knows how to rile their base up, and it's with, like, random cultural bullshit like this and able to, like... It, and it's not to say that this is bad. It's not. It's not to say that like fighting for social justice is bad because it's not. It's just that to conflate a bunch of really, really different things and spin them all together the way you would in a blogger war doesn't hold scrutiny when it blows up into like a national talking point. It just you know, and it and it blows up.
1: Yeah, because this is actually, and this is kind of what I always liked about your favorite Problematic and kind of what I what I started this with is that I kind of enjoyed the. You know, I said, you know, there's a, I've said there's a problem with a flattening, but there's also a benefit to it in that it means that it's it becomes like it is normal that everyone's do, does this and that everyone is trying to get better. Like I, and there's a version of it you can look at it and be like, Hey, your favorite's problematic because everyone is problematic But in terms of what it was it was your favorite problematic and therefore they suck and 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 everyone who likes them suck. Now there you know, there are kind of two angle ways you can read it and it was before we knew who the author was, I always used the angle of everyone's problematic, here are some examples. Right. Turns out that's not what it was.
0: <laughs> no, no, it was it was very different. Looking back on it now, I just feel... I feel sad, I suppose, about all of it because, you know, if we had known... It was a teenage girl, sort of working through some anger issues. In the New York Times piece, she talks about how, like, the death of her sister took her to like a really dark place where she was no longer in school and she was just sitting on Tumblr all day fighting these like proxy
1: wars. Which which ties which ties which ties into my long term theory that people are radicalized when they have spare time. Yes, get a hobby,
0: and the hobby yeah. can't be the internet. Um, Ooh. and you know, it just makes me sad to think that this like sad girl and her sort of very basic understanding of social justice and sociology and the way the world works was able to like not derail us. Cause it's not like, it's not like she set us back, but it's like, she set us down a different path. Like she created a new pathway on the internet that probably hadn't existed formally like that before. And has, you know, we, we haven't really, gotten back on track since in my opinion
1: it sounds like we're saying is what she did was making from call out when really we should have been calling in whoa yeah that's beautiful
0: yeah i think i don't know i i you know like i have reported on a lot of cancellations over the years i have myself been uh the target of you know some right-wing harassment campaigns and cancellations and call-out posts and you know some of them are in very very bad faith and some of them were in fairly good faith and there i don't know maybe five years ago i would have been way more hard line about like cancel culture or whatever i just and i don't want to be a white guy with a podcast talking about like cancel culture is bad because i don't want to be that guy either (laughs) but i just
1: yeah and because also like the fundamental problem with cancel culture is the same as thing we've been talking about is that the the line of it is so broad everything is cancel culture like you know uh Cuomo's under fire for, you know, multiple accusations of sexual harassment. Uh, And people are saying, like, well, I don't think we should cancel him. And it's like, no, he just shouldn't be the governor anymore.
0: (laughs) Right. No, that's not canceling. Like, yeah, I mean, and then and we haven't even really touched on because it's so complicated. We haven't even really touched on the like cancel culture industry like the, I mean, here's here's something to sort of chew on for a second. You know John Roderick. You know Bean Dad. Yeah. Um. Take a guess at how much money a month he's pulling out on Patreon right now. Oh Jesus! How much? Eleven thousand dollars a month.
1: <sighs> okay. Cool. He's making six figures well on done, Patreon. Man. Good. A good year for him.
0: His Patreon tiers are much better than ours, though. Which, speaking of which, we got to figure out what to do with that. But there's, you know, and then you've got like people like Barry Weiss and people like Glenn Greenwald who are exploiting all of these things for their own gain and. You know, people like Tucker Carlson doing specials on Dr. Seuss books that no one's ever heard of going out of print or being discontinued. Or
1: Glenn Greenwald, who is a man who has raged more than any other against not needing an editor, an editor and is a man who definitely needs an editor.
0: Yeah, like the whole thing is just like topsy-turvy right now. And I don't know. We we can't live like this anymore (laughs) i just i can't do it i just think that like at a certain point on the internet like everyone you know it's kind of yeah it's what it's what your favorite problematics author wrote it's like no one comes out of this without some dirt on them if they if if they're at it for long enough like no matter like you could be a completely random person and it could happen to you it's just there has to be there has to be a point where we say like okay this this, this matters and this doesn't, right? There has but this, to be a
1: point. But this is it because this stuff matters in different ways. Like, you know, if you have, you know, even if you're okay in a non-internet sense, if you had a bunch of friends who one of them, you know, repeatedly made like slightly dodgy jokes, you'd be like, well, it makes me like them less. I'm not not going to hang out with them, but I just I'm just going of like might say them if you say, hey, could you stop saying that? Like that kind of sucks. uh But equally, you know. It, you know, then it runs a full thing. If they're doing it in the office, that's a very different situation. If they're doing it in a bar around their parents, it's a different situation. If they're doing it and they are an elected official, it's another a different situation again. So it's also context dependent and the content dependent, and this stuff is very varied. Like, and I think that is kind of the thing that the internet flattens, and it flattens, and because it's nonlinear, which I think is something we discussed before, the idea of the internet being, you know. You don't consume it in a, in a in a linear way, yet everything is there at all times and can be accessed at any time. So it's quite a strange medium because it's non-linear, so it's context-free and it flattens. And everything is, yeah, context which means, yeah, you end up having to deal with these things and say, well, this is wrong. Like, yes, it is wrong. What's the punishment? Dunno. It's not legal. That's not really a good standard. Like, many things are not legal. These people wouldn't do. Like, So it's just say this guy's a dickhead maybe that's fair how many people should call him a dickhead should it be 100 should it be a million like because we can do that on the internet like and and it's this thing of like there is no good thing and and equally you can you can see the stuff where when you know an internet mob gets up they can get incredible... like bean dad that the vast quantity of shit he got like how many CEOs are out there like berating their employees or uh being just incredibly mean to them or people polluting the the rainforest and they get no shit at all
0: yeah i mean there's this attitude no you're right and there's this attitude with the dirtbag left in particular where they'll be like you know there's attitude of like social justice doesn't matter before we achieve like social equality or or like you know economic
1: no war but class war
0: yeah basically and, and, and that sets off my like turf alarm really badly because like I'm just waiting for them to be like to go from like we don't support the military trying to include trans people as a propaganda tool to we don't care about trans people. And like I lived in the UK long enough to see exactly how that line is a straight line. <laughs> but, you know, there was a really good tweet that's been going around this week. And it, you know, it's been retweeted like 11,000 times I have it in front of me. It's by uh, David Dole. Um, who uh he's like a political youtuber and he wrote, is cancel culture when Tesla fires a worker for union organizing or when MSNBC fires Phil Donahue for being against the Iraq war, or when Texas fires a teacher for supporting Palestinians, or is cancel culture only for important stuff like children's books and a plastic potato? And I think that is part of it. but then there's like the other part of it, which is to say that like that's a very easy thing to say like for you and I because we're like white dudes and I don't want to yeah. minimize. The other side of it but like i think there has to be a consideration of power dynamics when you're talking about it at the very least like maybe that's what we get out of all of this is we just say like yes But
1: then you see then you see you get into the other problem which is this is the internet and someone like let's say milo yiannopoulos has essentially no power he is a nobody but he becomes a somebody by saying things that are enough to like well they're very deeply offensive in many ways and so it's like okay so he's saying these things but well, at what point does he get enough power? Is it ten thousand followers? Is it hundred thousand? Is it a million? Is it if he if he has a million on three platforms? Like, and it becomes like a kind of a nonsense, which is why this is so insanely complicated to deal with. I think it's
0: when you're. Ver- I think it's when you're verified on Twitter. That's when verified you become on tru- Okay. When you're verified on Twitter, that's when you become truly powerful in society.
1: Okay, so if you just reject verification from Twitter, you can say whatever you want.
0: I th- well, I mean, yeah. Have you? When was the last time you read anything a non-verified user posted? Like I. I disregard them. They're poppers to me. They're, they're, you know, they're plebes.
1: It's uh pretty problematic. Man.
0: <laughs> I think, I think the best we can. So, you know, I, I feel like we're both struggling for like a, what does this all mean thing? And that's fair because like, we're still in it. Like the era yeah. that was created by your favorite problematic is still happening. We can dream about a different one. I, I don't know what it'll look like. And I suspect that, I suspect that the current sort of moment, the like cancel culture moment will start to change soon because I'm optimistic. And I actually think a lot of people are sort of like realizing that this is wacky Looney Tunes nonsense and want to like figure out like they want to care about stuff that matters.
1: I think people also get bored of it. And I think I think that's probably starting to happen a little bit. People are like, I can't believe this teacher was fired merely for attacking their pupils with a bat it's like yeah yeah okay that's no everyone's kind of like no i kind of get why that would happen
0: well okay i thought you were gonna say you were pro attacking
1: children with a bat and it's like well yeah what kind of children yeah i am I, am I am but only the animal not the not the not the not the the, the sports implement.
0: i i am when they tell me i can't wear my skinny jeans anymore am i right fellow millennials <laughs> as Cattle a raven claw i love my skinny jeans <laughs> Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content this week to stay sane?
1: Um, uh, I don't think so. Uh, hang on. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Onto a new book about American history, not about a president, but it is instead about the guy who built all of the things in New York. Uh, uh, is the Robert Clary book, The Power Broker.
0: it about Robert Moses?
1: Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah, it's a great book.
0: So there's like a joke where like if you live in New York long enough, you become like a passionate, passionate person about how much robert moses is the devil and i've lived on long island and in queens and in brooklyn and let me tell you man that guy (laughs) uh, he is burning in hell next to john lennon right now i fucking hate that guy robert moses fucked up the entire state i hate that guy
1: i mean it's kind of fascinating because in the early era of it which is the bit i'm reading but you can kind of see the the outlines of what's coming he is extremely passionate about just building parks And just, like, making the city better. And then to do that, he discovers he has to have power. And then eventually the power is kind of starting to to take him over. And he's like, "I, I, I I want the parks, so I need power to build the parks. And eventually he's building the parks to get the power. And he's just, like, going darker and darker and now just building. And then he eventually builds things that just don't make any sense and make everyone's lives worse because he wants the power that building the thing gives him.
0: He also loved to do racism. Well, yes. <laughs> he loved racism. Um, f- famously, he made the, uh, the highway overpasses a height that wouldn't allow inner city buses to get from New York City to the beaches. So it would be impossible to take public transportation to a beach in New York.
1: I mean, I suspect that all the things that you're reading, I have not got to that bit yet, but I suspect all the, 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 the facts that you have are coming from this one book, which is the single best research book of all time. Because the guy's been, like, 20 years reading everything Robert Moses had ever said, done, or ever written about him.
0: I also have been friends for over a decade with a Long Island historian, so I'm sort of a weird... I'm a weird one there, where I I have, like, a bunch of bizarre esoteric knowledge from this friend of mine. But yeah, no, Robert Moses can suck my ass, man.
1: (laughs) Fucking hate that guy. You should read the book, man. It's great. (sighs) I
0: should... I should read books again i bought a book on amazon but i haven't read it yet
1: <laughs> what book did you buy
0: um it's a Murakami book about the tokyo uh gas attack
1: the Saren attack yeah cool um yeah I, cont- I haven't read it yet but so what content haven- you have you been consuming to stay sane
0: i i have been watching a lot of below deck again
1: <laughs> okay below deck- so you've circled around you've you've got to the end of the year of the pandemic and just started it again
0: yeah man below deck might be the best tv show ever made i think below deck if you haven't seen it is about yachting. there's below deck there's below deck mediterranean and there's now below deck sailing and it is incredible because it's like the worst people from south africa and australia and the uk with people from florida and they bicker
1: which are, which are all the worst places
0: yeah it's uh it's truly incredible Uh, My favorite character is Ben. He's a chef from the south of England. He talks like this and he's extremely posh and wildly manipulative. And one of my favorite moments is when a working class girl from the north tells him he's being arrogant. And then he spends a half hour gaslighting her and makes her apologize to him for insulting him because he's worked his way up, even though his father is one of the biggest crime novelists in the UK. But he earned his is his way in life. I mean that is Even. just
1: the explanation of the British Empire essentially. It's fantastic. Um
0: yeah, I know it's great. All the Australians are lunatics and the South Africans are um like monsters and 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 the rich people are insane. It's it's a great show. I just I really love it. I love every bit of it.
1: All right. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Um we are now going to walk over to our other show and we're going to talk about The Fast and the Furious. This week's is Too Fast to Furious.
1: And this week, we also, we're also we also going to decide which order we watch the rest of the movies in. Because there is a question over this we have not yet answered.
0: That's true. we got to figure that out. Um, if you want to check out our other podcasts, we do it as a Patreon-exclusive thing for uh, paying patrons. It is patreon.com slash thecontentminds. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week.
1: Thanks, everyone. Yeah.
0: What was that? You just slurred all that.
1: Thanks, everyone. See ya. Th-
0: you were saying thank you to everyone? That's what you're yes. saying? Oh, yes. Okay. Bye.